This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, there has been a very significant breakthrough in the stalemate over tanks to be sent to Ukraine, particularly by Germany. Germans now have committed to sending tanks and the United States, which also, like Germany, was reluctant, has also committed to send Abrams, which are a big, heavy tank. But the real change is the emergence of the Leopard 2 tanks. They're German. The Germans are going to send them and allow the Poles to send them. Spain has some to go. And it is, many people believe, a huge help to Ukraine for the spring assault, which we know is going to be vital as this war takes shape over the next six months or so, maybe ultimately over the whole of the war itself. And it's a pleasure to welcome to the stand Senator Tom Clonan. Tom is a soldier, a former soldier. He was deployed in South Lebanon as an an officer commanding Irish troops under the United Nations Interim Force in Lebanon in the mission to that country. We know from tragic recent news of two young Irishmen one dead, one seriously injured. This is a dangerous place to be. And when Tom was there, he was there during an Israeli operation called Grapes of Wrath against Hezbollah, which culminated in a massacre of refugees in the village of Cana in April 1996. Tom has guided us through this war and the military aspects of it, and it's a pleasure to welcome him to the programme. Tom, The news of the tanks that the Germans have now agreed to send their own tanks and, of course, to let other countries send the tanks that they have been given by Germany, and that means Poland, for example, but also other nations in Europe. How significant is this news in the light of what we expect to be military initiatives in both sides in the spring? Strategically, This is a turning point for Ukraine in that they have had the initiative on the ground in recent months. 
with the retaking of Kherson and with the advances that they made up in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. So to, if you like, penetrate further or have a breakthrough in a winter-spring offensive, um, the supply of this type of equipment will certainly give them the advantage on the ground. So it's a it's a turning point strategically. It's it's also a turning point politically. Um, the Olaf Scholz, the German Chancellor, I don't think he prevaricated, but they had to. Germany had to do a lot of soul searching in this regard because of their history and because of their um, aggression in Central and Eastern Europe and their invasion of Russia. Yes. And they're very mindful of that. And, and, and the there rhetoric. were also constitutional issues, weren't there? Indeed. Um, so now the decision has been made, and it's interesting that the Kremlin has responded immediately, and they have said that there will be an, un, an unambiguous and negative outcome in relation to this. So that's a veiled threat yes. to escalate, to use um, perhaps <clears throat> some sort of um, non-conventional Weaponry, perhaps a, what they call a tactical or mini nuke. These are it's threats. It's saber rattling. We'll have to see how how that develops. Yes, the the tanks themselves. It's it's interesting. So Germany has announced that they will immediately send uh, fourteen Leopard two tanks, and the German um, defense minister Pistorius had asked the, the the Bundeswehr, the German military, to do some research. The German military is in in a, is in a state of some disarray. It has lacked investment, and so they managed to immediately provide fourteen tanks, and that sounds like a small number. But given the the state of the German military, um, it's 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 not bad, I suppose, given that that can be deployed immediately, and that would be about the equivalent of a squadron. So that would be enough to support a force, a battalion force. Uh, of of infantry and artillery, so you, you know you're looking at a, a maneuver element that could take ground within weeks. Uh, that's that's immediately. There is an estimate of as many as 150 Leopard two tanks being made available by way of countries like Lithuania, uh, Estonia, Poland, and so on. That number of tanks um, would be enough. Um, if if delivered with the logistics and the supply chain and the weapons, uh, the ammunition, petrol, oil, and lubricants, that would be enough um, to to form an armored brigade. And if you had the correct infantry and artillery units moving in formation with that, that's the equivalent of an armored division. And I don't think that the Russians would be able to stop that by by conventional means if that were to move forward. Um, the tanks themselves, Eamon, so you mentioned two variants. There's the, the US, uh, what they call the Mike 1 Abrams tank. Yes, they, they say it consumes fuel at a ferocious rate, that it's also jet propelled. It takes yeah. a lot of learning for Ukrainians to learn how to actually drive the tank. Yeah, they, 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 they have different power plants in them. One of them was the, the Honeywell um, turbine engine. And people will be familiar with Honeywell. They they do air conditioning systems in hotels and stuff. So this is a it's a, it's a rich country's weapon. It's it's a very heavy main battle tank. The endurance of the engines, interestingly, is it, you know the, in in full combat operations, the engine will actually have to be replaced after something like forty or fifty hours in combat. Often, right. 
a complete refit. Whereas the Leopard Two tank is 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 slightly, uh, it's it's got better endurance. So for for the listeners to understand, the Leopard Two tank has a main armament. It's it's a Rhine Metal one hundred and twenty millimeter cannon, um, and that's a flat trajectory weapon. It's it, it can fire higher high explosive anti tank rounds. It can fire high explosive anti personnel, and the weapons and target acquisition systems that are aligned on on those. Um, tanks they're, they're very sophisticated they, they they're very they're very accurate and they can travel at a speed of 70 kilometers per hour that's right. 40 40 miles an hour yes over over broken and open ground and their endurance or their range at at that level is approximately 120 miles right that's extraordinary so that gives them extraordinary maneuverability endurance um and you know they're 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 bigger than the Russian counterparts. They're 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 better armed, better armor systems on them, reactive armor and so on. And so it is a game changer. the The Ukrainians have been steadily and slowly making small advances in Zaporizhia Oblast. And I'd spoken to you, I think, before Christmas, and had said that when people talk about a winter offensive, you know that. Like a winter offensive is on the cards. There was some commentary in the media that everything would grind to a halt in the winter. But the history of this part of the world is that there have always been winter offensives. And I think we're seeing it build up to one now. Right. Interestingly, in, in Zaporizhia province, on an axis on the direct line from Kherson to Berdyansk, uh, and Berdyansk is a port city that's currently held by the Russians. But if the Ukrainians were to break out from Kherson, towards Berdyansk, they could cut off Putin's land corridor to Crimea. Yes. And interestingly, this week, in two small towns south of the regional capital of Zaporizhia, in a place called Orihiv and Hulayapole, um, the Russians have been fighting a very desperate um, attempt to hold on to those settlements uh, as the Ukrainians are encroaching upon them. And the... uh, Russian appointed spokesperson in the area, a guy called Rogov, said that the the, the Russians had a very dynamic um, operation underway there, but actually it just consists of artillery. So they've been pounding those areas. So they know that the uh, Ukrainians are are putting pressure on. And and that's well far to the south of places like Bakhmut and Kremina and Svatove, where we've been hearing lately of the, the desperate attempts by the um the Wagner group rushes the Kremlin's mercenaries to put to push forward. And this again, this is to try and prevent a link up between the Ukrainians north south uh, along their axes of advance. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call 1 800 Club Med or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let me ask you about the Wagner Group because... They are a paramilitary organization, as I understand it. They were founded by Yevgeny Prigozhin, who is close, very close to Putin. And they recruit, as I understand it, in prisons and places like that. So they're not in any way conventional. The other thing I want to ask you, because they may be related, is Sorovikin, who was known as General Armageddon, has been moved. He was called up by Putin for this destruction of buildings, attacks on civilians. Sorovikin had been in charge of the Syrian offensive and in Chechnya. He's gone now. And the new man is Valery Gorasimov. He's leading Putin's what's still being called a special military operation. The significance of Prigozhin for example, he appears to be. I've seen him in civilian clothes. What is he? I suppose he's the the Kremlin's equivalent of the notorious security contractors that operated in in Iraq during the American right. inva- American led invasion and occupation. Yes. If you recall, there were groups like Blackwater. Who yes, American were, American versions. Yeah, and, yes. and basically, um, in the United States, uh, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld added um, these mercenaries, yes, so-called contractors, but they're actually de facto in law, they're mercenaries. They added them to the Depart- U.S. Department of Defense uh, order of battle. And the advantage that gave the United States was that um, these soldiers were paid, you know, maybe $150, $200 a day. And, you know, there were always rumors that they were paid extraordinary amounts of money, but you'd actually earn more on a building site in London Right. Uh, than you would in one of these outfits. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of people who may be trying to escape alimony payments in the United States. Um, yeah. You know, not, 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 so the, the advantage that they provided to the US military was that they weren't on the books. They didn't have to pay for their pensions. They didn't yes. have to include them as casualties in the casualty ratings. They had no obligation to look after them in the US Veterans Administration hospitals when they came back to the United States. So it was kind of a, war on the cheap and with all of the hazards that that brings. So this is what the Wagner Group is. It's the same kind of a concept. And the troops, so-called, I hesitate to use the word troops, the the people who are recruited to the Wagner Group 
are from some of the most disadvantaged parts of of the Russian Federation. Yes. They're poorly trained, they're but they have a reputation for brutality and yes. they have a reputation for not observing the the, the rules of combat and the, and the international laws and armed conflict. And they're they're throwing them in, as you say, you know, asking, bringing in people who have been recruited in prisons and really throwing them into that front around uh, Bakhmut and the line from Svatove through Kremina down, down towards Izium and Lyman. They, they, on, on those areas of heavy combat, it's estimated that both sides are losing between 50 and 100 people per day. Right in that heavy combat up around yes. Bakhmut, and again, as I've said to you before, that that's unsustainable. But it speaks to the desperation of Putin and his Kremlin generals, who, as you correctly observe, are constantly being rotated. There's that churn of generals; people are being sacked, sidelined. It's it's a they're flailing, and and what what Russia what what Putin has done, ironically, is. He's allowed Russia's armed forces to be drawn into a very unfavorable uh, con- conflict in that, you know, Sergei Lavrov and Putin watched with, I would say, some amusement the manner in which the Americans got bogged down in a counterinsurgency in Iraq. Yes. You know, a country of 40 million people, roughly the same size as Ukraine. And they watched with wry amusement as NATO um, got bogged down in a counterinsurgency war, which they ultimately lost in Afghanistan. Again, yes. a country of 40 million people, roughly the size of Ukraine. And here we are now. The West is watching Russia expend its military, expend its young men. Um, and for every initiative, like the appointment of General Armageddon, you know, his specialty in Syria was to use air power, barrel bombs, yes. heavy bombing, uh, indiscriminate destruction of towns and villages with no ground campaign because all the fighting on the ground was done by yes. um, Assad's Syrian nas- army, Arab National Army, Sana. Um, and so you, you saw these Shahed drone attacks, indiscriminate attacks on uh, Ukrainian infrastructure, and that hasn't worked, but the West has responded to every initiative. So um, the use of those drones allowed con- Biden to get support for uh, the supply of anti-missile missile systems and Patriot missile systems to Ukraine. And now, in the case of their ground offensives, their desperate attempts to, to hold on uh, over the winter, we now have the, the green lighting of the supply of these main battle tanks. Um, I, I think based on what's happened so far, if you look at the evidence on the ground of what's happened so far, at no point in this war has there been a a great Russian breakthrough and a great move forward. Like they did take Kherson, but then they lost it. They destroyed um, Mariupol. Yes. Uh, but it took them weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, I don't see them assembling a credible force to mount a winter spring offensive. But if all of these other pieces of the jigsaw fall into place, I can see, and I have been saying this for some time, I can see the Ukrainians do this their motivation to fight is is there yes they have the people and since 2014 they have about a million men of military service age who have had some combat experience Uh, they do have the political will to move forward the big question now is how will the kremlin respond to this 
How will Putin respond to this? Will he escalate? Uh, he's made veiled threats now to Olaf Scholz and the Germans. How, how What will that look like? What What will he do? Well, yesterday, his spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, said that if the tanks were sent, and that commitment has been made now, there would, and I quote, definitely leave an inevitable mark. I'm not sure what that means, but it may mean what you suggested, because Putin has raised the specter of nuclear weapons before, and there is a possibility. But before I ask you about the consequences of Putin using a nuclear weapon, a tactical nuclear weapon, I want to go back to the Wagner Group and Prigozhin, their founder. I read last week that he had been critical of Putin, of the way he was conducting the war, and critical of his generals, for example, Sorovikin, who is General Armageddon that you referred to. Putin has really not... He's made a mess of this, has he? Well, I, I think it was overambitious to begin with. And this is something that I've been saying over and over again. They tried to take a country of 40 million people with quite a small invasion force, just about 150, 160,000 troops. And then they split that force into three axes of advance. One south from Belarus and Russia towards Kiev, which completely failed and was routed. And then another in Donetsk and Luhansk, which failed to really take the full oblasts, the full sort of um, regional territorial bound that they wanted. An oblast is a province, correct? Yeah, it's like a like yep. a district. <clears throat> so there's Donetsk, yes. uh, Luhansk, Oblast, and Zaporizhia. So they, they made some progress, but, but very little. And now they're being pushed back at huge cost. I mean, the, the losses here are enormous. You're talking about tens of thousands of young Russians have, have been slaughtered, with many more times that um, very, very seriously injured, life-altering injuries. And on the Ukrainian side, we don't know the figures, but it has to be similar. Yes. And they're losing. And that's why I can understand the frustration of Zelensky and his government at the at the the delay in making the decision because on, on every day if they're losing between fifty and hundred young people and then all of the collateral damage. Um there are also right wing commentators in Russia who have now yes. openly criticized um the, the, the Russian general staffs and by extension that's a criticism of Putin. Nobody yep. has dared to directly confront him. Um, but with that churn of generals and with that churn of um, oligarchs, you know, mysteriously dying in hotels and yes. falling from balconies, you, you eventually, you eventually, you purge your way to a point where the next person who's selected to step in knows and makes a calculation that in turn they face um their own personal destruction. And so eventually somebody will take action in that and situation. That so the action that they're likely to take is Putin. Well, I think there there, there could be, I mean, it, it perhaps it's wishful thinking on my part, um, but Putin's leadership thus far has, he has, he has lost every single hand he has played right. in this conflict to date. Um, but the, 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 the risk is in, in the window of, maneuver that remains open to him now 
after this development and what we'll probably see, like we're 11 months into the into the conflict, almost yeah. to the day. And the estimate is that if you were to get 150 of these leopard tanks into Ukraine, it would take about four weeks to get them, you know, integrated into the Ukrainian uh, units yes. on the ground so that a year after the invasion, they might have a very symbolic uh, offensive. And so it's what Putin does in the next four weeks. I don't think he. I don't think he will attack Germany. I don't think he'll attack Poland, and they're going to supply these tanks or Lithuania or Estonia. What I think he might be tempted to do is to threaten the use of a tactical nuclear weapon against um, a kind of putative Ukrainian armored division. Yes. So the small tactical nukes that they have, um, they're about a tenth the size of the device, um, the atomic bomb that was dropped at Hiroshima, that killed yeah. about 100,000 people. So a device that the Russians have in their arsenal, and Gerasimov actually, interestingly, uh, wrote the doctrine for the Russian military on the incorporation of these small tactical nuclear weapons into conventional order of battle. So he's it's a dangerous development. But they it, the use of one of those weapons would destroy a town like the size of Athlone and, and would, kill, would kill about 10. Now, that would be enough to stop an armoured division moving forward and would also have the effect of contaminating the ground permanently and denying that ground as an axis of advance to any to any other um, forces. But, I mean, that's a, a doomsday scenario. Putin, Putin knows that and the people around him know that. But, Tom, Gerasimov has just been promoted to lead the special military operation. So if what you say is true, and I'm sure it is, or accurate, then there is cause for concern, is there? There is, but, you know, the Russians and the Kremlin, I don't know about Putin because he's not, he's obviously not listening to reason and hasn't since the yes. beginning of this conflict, but the Russians fear a nuclear exchange uh, as much as we do. Right. And, and they also know that if they do that, it's going to, it's going to be, it, it'll signal the beginning of a world war. Right. Uh, and, and everything that that brings. But Russia... Sorry, Putin and his cronies having the hope of surviving that, and and the and the hope would be that we <laughs> that we would survive it as well. Yeah. But I, you know, it's a it's an awful scenario to contemplate. Let me ask you about this, Tom. It appears with the release of these tanks and all the debate and discussion beforehand, and you know, controversy really, because the Germans are very, very slow off the, the mark for reasons we've referred to earlier. The West has appears, and I saw CNN last night, uh, one, a former, a Republican actually, former member of the US government say, Putin cannot be allowed to win. The West has made its mind up that he must not prevail in this conflict. Would you agree with that? And the implications of that are are what, Tom, for the next period? The unilateral use of force, the, the so-called preemptive strike, as a feature of conflict in the 21st century, was actually de developed and used by the United States and its allies in their intervention in Iraq and in, in Afghanistan. Right. And And Putin has borrowed from that playbook. Based on his behavior thus far, I don't think you can negotiate with Putin. I think right. he has to be stopped in the field. Now, that for me personally is in conflict with my own 
ethical perspective on this, that we must do everything in our power to bring conflict to an end. But I don't think we can negotiate with this individual. Right. And I think the West has, has to walk a very careful line between thwarting Putin in, in his attempt to take Ukraine and also preventing uh, a wider escalation. So it's, it's, it's so far, thus far, um, there haven't been um, dire consequences for the West in, in all of the support that they have given the Ukrainians. I mean, it's, it's very open and transparent, like billions of dollars and euro in aid and, and military supplies and equipment and anti-tank missiles. And whilst there's been a lot of saber-rattling and rhetoric from the Kremlin, there hasn't yet been uh, a development outside of the immediate theatre. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the tanks. Let me ask you a final question, Tom. Giving your enemy what's called an off-ramp, in other words, a way out, is always, people think, a very good idea. It looks to me, but it's more important how it looks to you, I don't see an off-ramp for Putin. Do you? Isn't that dangerous? No, but I would be reasonably confident that there are overtures being made to those around him. Right. Towards towards the end of the Second World War, uh, Himmler's second in command, the the, the Nazi general who was in charge of all of their operations in Italy, he began speaking to Alan Dulles and and began to negotiate to get out of his Nuremberg trial which he knew was coming down the tracks. So there will be people like that. Himmler himself opened up a channel of communication. Like there will be back channels of communication there. But I do think, and it pains me to say this, that Ukraine and the West, their problem aligns with our values, not just our interests. And we have to um, approach this from a position of strength. And that means keeping up the military pressure on on Putin. And the Chinese will be watching this very closely because if if Putin were to prevail in in Ukraine, then they might attempt a similar exercise in Taiwan and and elsewhere. So it's it's unfortunate to find ourselves in this situation. But the European Union, NATO have been very coherent in their support. Uh, And again, this is all part of Putin's uh, intelligence missteps. He underestimated Zelensky. He underestimated the EU. He underestimated NATO. And here we are. Okay, Tom, we're very grateful to you. Senator Tom Clonan has a distinguished career, not just in the military, but also as a whistleblower who wrote a report about how female personnel were treated in the Irish Defence Forces. He's a remarkable man. He's now a senator. And we're very grateful to Tom for joining us. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for. Now, we'll talk to you soon. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.